Greetings, everyone. This is V, a.k.a. Vernon English. Starting the day off early today. And if you love this podcast, if you like it, if you like doing and cooking and doing some cool stuff around your house, you're like, hey, what is this guy talking about? Is he a nerd? This is straight from the mouth of said content creator. Yes, I am a nerd. (laughs) Welcome to the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. I am a proverbial nerd. I spend time watching cartoons and other Final Fantasy type games and fiction and things like this. It's primarily where my influence of my content comes from. And primarily where the large portion of this series comes from and the inspiration comes from and I'm quite enamored with the story in itself. We are at the ending of the second book which I am quite quite proud of. It took over a year and nobody truly even knows about it and I'm very happy about having these little tidbits and adding these easter eggs to my story so that when someone comes upon my story later they can understand what it is that i'm explaining before i go into my proverbial spill and go off in tangent land i'm going to say that my story is for you and for the people and i am honored to share my story because I saw my story being told this way via word of mouth in the first place. It's just the comprehension level and the level of attention that I see my peers that I had to diversify and multi-platform my message so that it could correlate and basically identify with other people. We are processing information at a stark raving pace and It is in no way, shape, or form stifling the level of intelligence that each and every one of my peers has. And and I look at everyone as my peer that way. So that's all. Just wanted to give some important, you know, announcements and things like this. Oh, also, speaking of announcements. Okay, so it's the beginning of the year. It's 2022, right? I do these things as my personal goals. And the third book is coming quite a long Wait, I already finished the third book. Fourth book, excuse me. And I want to have that one considerably done uh, by mid this year or just as a goal. And I may surprise you guys and have it released earlier. Uh, it just depends on the tools that I have and what I can amass. So, yeah, be looking for that. And so... This podcast is basically the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast, but this particular one, or this cast here, is the part two of characters, or describing the characters in my story. And there are many different races, there are many different mentalities, and backgrounds, and settings, and scenarios that I like to paint. And... The reasoning of this introduction of this podcast of me talking about how I made the story for you is because I I was talking with someone yesterday, just yesterday actually, and he bought the book, the first book of the series, and it's Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds, right? 
And so he says, yo, man, I, I love the book, but it's it's confusing. I, I It's a lot to process. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Thank you for reading. And please process and take time with the processing of all of what I have. It's not so much just a story. It's a story within this compartmentalized version of writing and I told before in the story that I was like yo to write a story you have to be bar none on a whole different other level to in your mind evaluate and to process all the nuances of what it takes to make a character and the decisions that they have not only to tie in to other characters as well is a very very powerful gift and i do not feign any type of ignorance by respecting those that consider themselves true writers and writers have this quality of obviously they have a team and they have a you know the, the their editor they have their their person who is their manager or their you know people who read their work and for me i wanted to complement my style and develop a style from it and poetry is fine poetry is very telling it is easy to process and easy to read because you're just reading something as a description and oftentimes it comes off as a journal but other times it comes off as in a dream journal or something that is appreciated or honored and I've actually literally taken a poetry class and the poetry class literally was us just sitting there reading Browning, Thoreau, Shakespeare and reading their content and understanding how they used words or how they used the English language and not to be fluffy and, and fluffy meaning as in Oh, the, the sky was cotton candy mixed with purple rays and per and pink tapestries. Like, it is <laughs> it's not so much that. My writing complements a different type of language that you can read on your computer or your phone. And oftentimes it's very shortened or abbreviated and a person who is familiar with abbreviations online or just abbreviating words could understand said language. And usually there are cadences or, or as in the words of, of the professionals, they call them stanzas. And usually you have at least four stanzas or five or however many and lines, um, you, you can really get an analogy when you do an, a haiku. And the way that something is uh, positioned or the rules into making something a haiku are very uh, stringent or very root. But for me, I looked at it and I'm like, well, okay, that's their version of poetry. And spoken word poetry is quite different as well. And so I'm like, okay, well, my poetry is none of this. I don't even consider it poetry. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So when it comes to someone getting a frame of reference as to what it is that I'm bringing to them as a content, it comes as not a mystery, but often it, it is the confusing part that I like and not to confusingly make someone that way on purpose, and I said this, it's to just say that, okay, well, this is a different style. Okay, well, I can read this, but it may or may not be confusing at times. Can you explain this to me? And thus, here I sit explaining said story. <laughs> it's not something that I consider just to do it, just to make it confusing on purpose. Like I say, when you look at something again, it's abstract. When you think of something, it is abstract. And it becomes abstract by the non-linear or the non-normalcy and the ability to look at it again and the arrangement of the pieces. And so when I write, certain instances you'll see a word or a description. And this is the reason why I'm talking about it now is because I will explain someone like Oleander and explain his temperament or explain a piece or a color, but the color is so indicative of his style or them that it overlays the entire thing. And a magenta sky or the colors of their eyes uh, give rise to their temperament or their personality. The colors represent their own personalities in themselves. And in the first book, it is very indicative and pun on words to literally the story being called Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds. But in the first book, I really wanted to get a vein of the description and the air and tell people what it was that they were looking at, but to place it out there and not overtly tell them that this person was feeling a certain way or this was their emotions that were going through their mind it was assumed or you can get an assumption by looking at the way that this person reacted or how they interact or talk with others. A prime example of this would be the Truids, T-R-U-I-D-S. And these are different type of beings from humans. Obviously each and every one of them in the story is, but as a basis for you to gain an analogy of people who live in trees, and no, they are not that type of people who live in the trees and wild people and this, this, that, and the third. That's a good analogy, but no. If ever you've seen The Lord of the Rings or some crazy interpretation of science fiction, you would understand that there are different races, obviously. But that's not generally the case when it comes to my story and the way that they were fashioned. And even with their memories being gone, they still have this sense of self. They have this sense of pride of their selves and how they come off to others and how they represent what they say. And for the ones that live in the trees, it is of a peaceful nature. And so their style reflects that, even though their hair may be matted and it is once again all racist and it's not something where you just look at someone like oh well, he's black so he's this no i develop the style so that it would be varied or that it would be something that you could not truly even tell 
um, they were truids, but they, they had this sense of understanding and interconnectedness with the trees. And having that, one could clearly see if you were going from our world to theirs, how their hands have veins that correlate. And you could see your hands and your veins if you look at them, but theirs was a bit more, uh, what would you call them, see-through or, or not transparent, if you will. And the level of transparency correlated to if they're touching something or the trees or the forest or anything green for that matter, they could get a sense of the feel of the land or this interconnectedness. So it would be literally an extension of their veins and their hands going into whatever the tree, fauna, anything that they touched. And each and every one of them possessed this said ability. I just never accentuated it at all, if at all. This is the first time of me mentioning their special attributes as characters and as a race. I later on in the fourth book will comment on these abilities but the self, the sense of self-discovery is where they develop their peaceful nature the the first one in my mind it was a development of stories in my mind of developing these characters right and, and so when I say develop I'm like okay how do I fashion a character this way and then how do I fashion another character another way so that you can get a clear spectrum of all these characters that are happening in the same area. And so that one was the instance of the Truids being that way. But there were other characters who looked differently and acted differently, but it wasn't indicative of just their look. And those were the refugees, and those are the ones that lived on the surface. And if you can even think of how varied the Truids look, which you would think of just these leaflet gowns or these leaf suits, but not so much a suit where you see uh, obviously a shirt and tie, but something that covers them uh, and their extremities or their body. And it is very ornate and very uh, intricate in the patterns that you can differentiate each person from the next. And when I say indicative of their peaceful nature, I'm not joking when I wanted to create characters not the the quintessential ones that have this this sense of bloodlust. I wanted to go into the comments of the differentiation of nature versus nurture and how if these people awake in a tree, in a tree village, and the peacefulness and the level of serenity that comes from just existing connected to something that large and then waking up and having the sense of forgetfulness, then what would be the actions of actually waking up? What would you do? Who would you speak with? Quit, essentially, what would there be to say? And to say something, is to figure out where one begins. And, and that's where essentially all of the Truids do this. However, there's a differentiation from these characters and the ones on the surface. Because the ones on the surface obviously have a sense of violence about that. 
And that's only just because the Druids live in the trees and beyond them, there are no trees. But the ground, or rather what's on the surface, extends beyond, beyond, beyond. So it goes forever. And so anyone can walk obviously on the ground and connect and go into another city. And therefore you get bandits and you get the raping, pillaging, and people taking advantage. However, 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 there are other places too. And when I describe the, the refugees in the first and second story, and it just comes off as obviously you, you would think of tattered clothes or you would think of armor or you would think of something medieval. And I wanted that quality, but however, I introduced other characters too, which have even other differentiating qualities that supersede technology and just completely blow any other type of mentality of some, what do you call this, a continuity of storyline or time uh, throughout this story. And, and so I wanted to confuse and bemuse someone that way if they were thinking that this story was this or it was that. I love, love, love surprises, and this story is and has continually been a great surprise uh, just off of the linguistics and off of the imagination from myself. So that one, in describing some characters, they, they obviously don't share the same race. <clears throat> Ideally, when I was describing the Guardian and the young girl that he was with and who could see, and who essentially um, was blind at first, <clears throat> she was of obviously a different race than the Guardian. And I described the Guardian with olives or almond colored skin, but him obviously being in towering over nine feet, and he comes off as uh, a different entity, and he doesn't verily speak as much or as often as other characters. and. When I describe another character named Onyx in the first story too, you could see him clearly and definitively with some sense of zeal, but I never truly even gave um, his true descriptions as to what he was. He could be verily uh, African-American or black looking, uh, since I am American, I guess I have to say African-American and not just say black, but uh, <laughs> he could verily be a different race as well. However, I may or may not never describe what it is that he is. Truly, if it, 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 it doesn't come up and I may allude to it or it may just remain as a mystery. Um, when describing uh, the Green Kings and the Little Litigator, um, I looked at that story gingerly, right? I ideally, and this is truly honest if I was to say this to someone, that describing those characters was very almost Dr. Seuss fashion, but I wanted the sense of air of seriousness. So obviously Lord of the Rings was still in the consideration of what uh, their look looked like and their, their color of their skin. I attempted to describe it and maybe would as something green but no, I didn't want it to just be something uh, cliche like that. 
or describing the elder green king um, and the moss that he had on his head and the skin color was just a differentiating it could have been brown like bark it could be light it could be uh, something else and the young one uh, as far as the, the kid that stumbles upon them I only truly described him in a variation and he didn't really truly have a race but he uh, was definitely in his middle school years, like 13, 10, 12. And you know, around that age, I remember just how I looked at things and how things uh, clicked in my brain. And truly even understanding the world for the first time was many of those instances that happened around that, huh, around that time in my life. So I was like, yo, I'm definitely going to write something about a cool point because I, I love that in the discovery of having just that kid moment and discovering something cool. And so with the Green Kings and even the council that they're with, uh, all of those races are different as well. And I go into <clears throat> a little bit of their descriptions, but not all the way. The first, first, first true attempt at going at one of all of those members of the council, and I'll do so later, was the Sand Angels. And the Sand Angels, and I'll end with this, there's two, a lot of characters. But the Sand Angels were cool because when I say Sand Angels, your brain automatically associates with something and it looks like, oh, well, he built a sand castle and Sand Angels and out of sand. No, 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 no. That's a pun and play on words they look like something quite foreign and quite alien but i can't even truly this is how tripped out it is is that i could see it but trying to describe to you um often minces words because they they have these multicolored metallic type of armor and their skin is varied and changes color depending on their temperament and the, the, the position of the sun. Their, their hair is obviously something science fiction-like, but it, it's uh, tied up and it's not something that you would think of as just simply hair. It is energy and it moves. And like I say, just to, to give a clear description of something that us as humans are so familiar with and to bring an unfamiliarity to you, uh, it is not the easiest, but I find it as a, a fun challenge. And I never truly even go into truly how complex these characters are. I just allude as to them being from a different star system or a different point in space that is in no way, shape, or form light years similar to anything we are familiar with. So... That's just one part, and I'm going to end the next part with describing even more characters because I'm introducing even more, 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 more. No. <laughs> so that's pretty much where I'm at now. I thank you guys for listening. appreciate it so much. This is V, a.k.a. Vernon English. Bless you, bless you, bless you, and have a great day. Let someone know about the podcast, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, and hit the subscribe button too. Peace.